Box with Brad and John. It makes it more competitive. The perfect way to get through your morning. Every time he opens his mouth, something irritating comes out. Weekdays from 9 to noon on The Roar. Where every day is game day. We're back here live on the roar, 11.05 a.m. Hour 3 kicking off right now. Man, I, I, that, that stung. I, I like Lamar Jackson. I want him to have a good career. I enjoy watching him play. I'm not, I'm not really, am I as anti-Chiefs hate, and Chiefs hater like a lot of people are? I, I enjoy and, and respect and understand the greatness that is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Spagnola. I mean, I I love it all, but man, I just I I really wanted Baltimore to to accomplish that yesterday for for Lamar. And look, he he did not play well. I I'm, I'm not making a case that he did, but a lot of people didn't play well. I think the defense gave that offense opportunities. I really do. I think the defense did what they had. they settled down for the, after those first two drives. They settled in. It was like eight straight nothingness for Pat Mahomes. He had he was averaging 350 yards a game against the Ravens in his career. They had him at 241. Now he was efficient, 30 to 39, I think that's what it was. Like yes, that. that's correct. Did not turn the ball over. Threw a touchdown and was able to navigate the pitfalls that come in an NFL game when things don't go your way. Absolutely. Also, for we, we saw a lot of this last week on the Adams & Co. Roofing text line. I know he's not going to win any popularity contest on the Adams & Co. Roofing text line. Travis Kelsey ain't washed. Not completely. He has. He's not the same guy. No, he is not, but he still has a little bit of that fastball left. When the play broke down and the scramble happened and Mahomes let that ball go, I thought there's no chance Kelsey can get to that. Man, that was a ridiculous, just full body extension yep. play that you like. Just unbelievable. And then the catch he made in the end zone it was incredible on his butt. Yeah, <laughs> and it was the only place you could throw the ball where the where it was either not intercepted or not hitting the ground. The only place you could put the ball, and Kelsey put his body, moved it, contorted his body in a way where he could come up with that ball. The chemistry catch. those two have and Travis Kelsey's ability to find space in zone coverage is just incredible to watch. It is. It, it really is. But I just can't understand the game plan of the Baltimore Ravens offensively. No run game. I, I understand at some point you're, you're behind and you have to throw more, but you weren't behind by by San Francisco numbers. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> you weren't that behind, and you just couldn't run the football. You decided not to run the football. Not that you couldn't. You opted not to. You chose not to. Yeah. They it, had their running backs. Had two carries. Edwards and Hill had two carries in the second half. Yeah, maybe there's some truth to this. I, I do appreciate the comedy coming from a Georgia fan this morning here on the Adams Co. Roofing text line. Todd Munkin without Mike Bobo just isn't the same. Look, look, look at me, Bobo. He got worked by Spagnola. He got <laughs> worked. 
Now, did they find a couple? I don't know if they really found things that worked or did Lamar just finally start making some plays in the second half? Uh, Lamar started making some and plays Zay. in the second half, but if it wasn't Zay Flowers outside of a you know, a couple catches here and there from other guys, that, that was it. But why did Munkin say, let's just throw the ball on every snap or let Lamar run it when the play breaks down? Every, like, what, Why was there no semblance of a rushing attack when there – that's what they've done all year, John. They've used the run to set everything else up. And not only did they try to – it's not that they used the pass, set up the run in this situation. They just completely abandoned the run all altogether. It and was I, never I, a part of the game plan. And, I mean, I know the Chiefs' defense was, was playing great, but, man, you just kept putting so much on Lamar Jackson's plate by not letting him hand the ball off even just a couple of times to just give it a different look. And give him a break. Yeah, I, I thought Munkin. They put too much on him. Had a horrible day at the office yesterday. Lamar has not come up clutch, and so you try to make him do more. Huh? That made no sense. I, th- I thought there were too many opportunities from this uh, from this scheme to be who you are. You you run the football. That's what you do. You're a rush team, and you hope that that creates some play actions some quick passing game stuff where you get guys open in space and you can run some of those things. And they they just, I thought they just fell into the trap that Spagnuolo wanted them to and they never came out of it. There was no real adjustments made. Spagnuolo said, I'm going to keep blitzing. My guys are faster than your tackles and I'm going to get to the edge. And boy, boy, didn't they mix it up too? Like he just, I there were too many times Lamar had no idea where the blitz was going to come from. And so he was just seeing stuff that wasn't even there. And that's when you start throwing into bad coverages. And you, you think there's a hole that there's not. I don't know. I was I was disappointed in the Baltimore experience yesterday. Takes away from nothing that the Chiefs did. They earned it. I'm not saying they didn't. But I, I thought Baltimore, John, I, I thought Baltimore let them off the hook. I, thought, I think Baltimore's the better team. And they should have won the football game. But they weren't the more disciplined team. They weren't the smarter team. They weren't the more experienced team. And they didn't have Pat Mahomes. Uh, and the, I, I think from top down, I think the Ravens got outcoached. They did get outcoached. To a certain degree, I, I think they did get outcoached. I, I'm not saying that John Harbaugh did a horrible job. I think Todd Munkin did a very bad job. But I thought, McDonald, I thought the defense, you hold Kansas City to 17, you should be able to have a chance to win that ball game. Yeah. Agree. Six five four roar. That's just the thing. <laughs> your your defense gave you the chance. It was the offense that let you down. And I, I don't think I saw it playing out quite like that. I thought, man, if they lose this game, it's because Mahomes is on one and you know, they're just this turned out to be a you know, thirty eight, thirty five kind of shootout, even though that's not really how either defense is built. But I thought that's, that was the way for the Chiefs to win it. I, I did not think that they would find a way to to just be that. I mean, the Chiefs were just nothing on offense for the vast majority of the game, and they still won. But Matt, Pat Mahomes hit the play he had to. Marquez Valdez-Scantling made the play. You throw it up there. You don't know what you're going to get out of MVS. No one ever does. You, it's, it is the ultimate gamble. They're going to Vegas, so it's a great reference. But it, it is like playing the, the wheel. Like, it might land on red. It might land on black. Heck, it could be green. You don't really know. That's MVS. But he came up money on that catch. I give him a lot of credit. He's falling on his backside. He makes the play. 
Robert Anderson's up next. Hey, Robert. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, I wanted to, I didn't know if you commented on that 49ers game. Not but yet. We're, we're was, getting there. Uh, Good lead that in. Brock Purdy was really amazing. I didn't know he could scramble like that. Really made some good plays. But I don't think Kansas City is going to hold San Francisco to one touchdown. I look for a high-scoring game, and uh, I don't know who's going to win. But um, the uh, penalties yesterday for Baltimore, it just looked horrible. And uh, I just wanted to see what y'all thought of that 49ers game. That was really freaky how they come back like that. And there was really freaky plays that happened for San Francisco. And uh, a ball coming off a of helmet and catching it like that and stuff like that. I'll listen to you. And uh, thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate you getting in. Good time to transition. 49ers 34, Lions 31. This one's stinging for John. I mean, I, I was pulling for the Lions, too. I do not pull for the 49ers. I just pull for the other team, usually. And I thought, man, this... This, this is going to be perfect. John's going to be so happy. He's going to get his Chiefs and his Lions, his, <laughs> his, his adopted teams, yes. into the Super Bowl. You couldn't be any happier than that. And then the Lions let you down in the second half. Or did they just – or was it just San Francisco? Uh, Brock Purdy's legs beat the Lions. Can it be a little bit of both? Yeah. That I think it was the the pressure of the moment, I think, consumed Detroit. And then, obviously, halftime adjustments where San Francisco comes out and puts up 17 on the board in the third quarter. <laughs> I mean, what do you do in that situation? And you know what? The Lions did a lot of what we what I just talked about with the Ravens. They fell into a trap. Where was their run game in the second half? Wasn't there. They had that one good run. I think Gibbs had that one good run on the first drive of the, of the third quarter for them after they'd get up a field goal. He comes back, gets like an eight or nine yard run, and then I don't, I don't remember a single run the rest of the game. I'm sure they did. I just don't remember one. Right. Very odd to me how they how they handled themselves in the second half. But you know what? To, to your point, the Chiefs' experience level took over. They knew how to react and handle situations. They knew how to handle adversity. You mean the Niners here? No, 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 no. I'm, oh, I'm the Chiefs. To, okay. I was talking about that. They, they could handle the adversity. They had eight straight drives of nothing, and they don't freak out. You know, they don't think they're about to lose. Well, the Lions had success and couldn't handle it. And the 49ers now, back-to-back weeks, come back from deficits. Talk about not being able to handle it. Did you see what C.J. Gardner-Johnson was doing in the first half of this game? When they were up, what, 24-7? to And he's waving goodbye to Niners fans as they're going to the locker room. Man, you're you're the Detroit Lions, man. Don't act like you've already been there. Were you surprised by Brock Purdy in this game? Yes. Is he earning our respect? He should be. He should be. Ran the ball really well. That one move he made, he juked that lineman out of his shoes. That was beautiful. If I would have told you yesterday that you have to pick one quarterback who's going to win the game for his team running the ball, (laughs) he would have been the last one you picked, right? No, Jared Goff would have been the last one. Okay, fair, (laughs) yeah. That would have been a shocker. I would have picked Lamar. Yeah. And it wasn't Lamar yesterday. It was Brock Purdy. Debo played a big role in this game. I he thought was uh, healthy enough to, to to give him a spark. I thought Fred Warner played out of his mind for that San Francisco defense yesterday. Greenlaw, too. Yeah. Or Green. Yeah. Yeah, Dre Greenlaw. Greenlaw, yeah. But I thought both of those guys. Jair Brown with 10 tackles. 
Christian McCaffrey did what he does. He just gets yards and touchdowns. That's all he's going to do. Um, does your heart break for, for Detroit a little bit yeah. here to blow that kind of lead, to be up? You know, well, when we, I, want, I want to save the, the Dan Campbell experience for, for the next segment because there was some questionable decision-making. But just from the Lions' standpoint and just who they are, how they got here, where they've come from, Man, it would have been cool to see them reach this. I, I wouldn't care if they won it or not, but it would have been cool to see them get there because they've never done that. Yep. It had been really cool. It would have been really cool to have two weeks of hype. For hear- the, talk about – we see all the Taylor Swift texts, guys. We do see them on the Adams Co. <laughs> roofing text line. The Detroit Lions would be the team of the upstate of South Carolina if they had made the Super Bowl, for sure. No doubt. But do you – did I hear the stat right? That they're the only, the only team that's reached the NFC – Title game that's never made the Super Bowl? I think that's right. I don't know if that's... Yeah, because they won their championships before the merger. Okay. Man. Yeah, before the AFL-NFL mergers when they won their championships. M&M's, you know, NC State and everybody in the the booth. (laughs) That's great. I I mean, it was was so much fun. Uh, The Lions were a fun team this year. Kind of hate to see them go out like this. Has some fun pieces, too. I mean, I know he only touched the ball a couple of times, but, man, Jamison Williams is fun. He doesn't get a whole lot of touches. Um, Brown, St. Brown was non-existent in the second half. I mean, that guy, no one could cover him. They couldn't stop him. Like, I thought, man, he his, this guy's going for like 200 yards in this game. And then he, they just they clamped down on him. And and there, I told you this, John, going into the playoffs, I said the secondary is where you can get San Francisco. If you can get enough time, if you can keep Bosa off your back, and get just enough time, and and not be forced. Because if you if you are forced and rushed into throws, those linebackers make you pay. We've seen it over and over again. But if you can just get enough time to get the ball down the field to your receivers, their secondary is not great coverage secondary. And the Lions just feasted on that in the first half, and then in the second half. But they feasted on it because the running game was successful. They were feeding off the running game. They got away from the running game, and everything fell apart for them. And the Niners had a whole lot to do with that because they're really good. 654-ROAR. We'll take some calls on the other side. Don't go anywhere. I'm Eddie Bennett. Bennett Equipment is your premier independent local construction equipment rental and sales source. With three locations in the upstate and one in North Georgia, our Takeuchi lineup of track loaders, excavators, and wheel loaders, and full line of attachments are ready to make your jobs easy. So don't settle for less. Choose the best with Bennett and Takeuchi. Proudly supplying equipment in our region for 24 years. When you need equipment in the upstate or north Georgia, buy it or rent it from Bennett. Engineered Sleep has been a Roar partner for over eight years, and your support has meant the world to them. They design and manufacture some of the best mattresses in the world right here in Greenville, South Carolina. If you've not visited their new 95,000-square-foot facility at 333 North Pleasantburg Drive in Greenville, you should. Go check out their mattress showroom and also take a tour of their factory. It is rare that you can buy a mattress directly from a factory that has been making them since 1931. Twin Peaks is the best in the game. Here, you're in the red zone for every college rivalry and divisional matchup all season long. I mean, where else are the scenic views as good as your view of the game? Only at Twin Peaks, the number one sports bar. Whether you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, see for yourself why the team at Ralph A's Toyota and Anderson has been blocking out the competition for 75 years. PJ Hall here letting you know if you want to stay on time during the regular and postseason, 
Ralph Hayes Toyota has your next ride. From their certified pre-owned to all their new 2024 Toyotas, South Carolina's oldest Toyota dealer welcomes you. Ralph Hayes Toyota, Clemson Boulevard, Anderson. We wrote the book on price. Ralph Hayes Toyota. Hey guys, did you go up a pant size over this winter? Shed that weight with semiglutide from Low Country Mail. It reduces cravings, lowers A1C, and lets you lose weight with no strict diets or exercise. All plans include primary care, labs, medication, and more. No long-term contracts, just straightforward pricing. Proven results make men men again. Lowcountrymail.com With your choice of select sandwich, nugs, fries, and a drink, Wendy's $5 Biggie Bag is your go-to. Your nugget wingman. Your hot and crispy fry co-pilot. Just like us. We're like the bag boys. What? Bag boys, bag boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when we bring your food? (sighs) For a deal you can count on, bet on Biggie and choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Bag boys, bag boys. U.S. price participation may vary. Includes choice of TBC or crispy chicken sandwich with four-piece nugs, junior fry, and small soft drink. Third-party delivery pricing may be higher. Hi, everybody. I'm Don Munson. Up next is your daily update on what's happening with Clemson Athletics. But first, this from Founders Federal Credit Union. Attention all basketball fans. Are you ready to experience MVP treatment in banking? Look no further than Founders Federal Credit Union, where personalized service is the winning play. Don't settle for being just another number. Join Founders and receive the personalized attention you deserve, along with great rates, loans, for any reason, and a dynamic online experience. Visit one of their 41 convenient office locations or visit foundersfcu.com to see if you qualify for membership. Relax. Go Tigers. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. Terms and conditions apply. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. Congratulations to our women's basketball team as they picked up their ninth win of the season, their second in Atlantic Coast Conference play in Little John Coliseum yesterday with a 73-59 victory over the Demon Deeks of Wake Forest. Clemson ran out to a quick 21-12 lead after the first quarter of play and doubled up Wake by halftime 50-25 as they outscored the Demon Deacons 29-13 in the second quarter as they cruise to the 73-59 victory over Wake. Clemson was led in the scoring column by Amari Robinson as she had 21 points to go along with four rebounds. And Mackenzie Kramer was big. 17 points for Kramer on five of eight shooting, including four of seven from behind the three-point arc. The four three-pointers tied a season high for her. She also had five rebounds in 33 minutes of play. Speaking of rebounds, it was big for Clemson as they out-rebounded Wake Forest 44-31 and out-rebounded them 34-20 on the defensive end of things. Clemson will be back in action, the ladies, on Thursday as they'll play host to Boston College. That'll be a 7 o'clock game in Little John. Hope you can come out and support Amanda Butler's club. As always, go Tigers! Powered by Upcountry Fiber. We are 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Providing fiber internet, HDTV, and phone service, Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. So what exactly are the net rankings? I have no idea! Tune in every day until March as we try to figure it out. The Roar, where every day is game day. One, two, three, uh. We're back here live on the Roar of the Press Box with Brad and John. Thanks for joining us today. 
Talk about the AFC NFC title game. John, real quick before we go to the phone lines. Talk about the losers for a moment. That is <laughs> it's a harsh way to put that, I know. Uh but we we try to do this after every playoff game. We've we've done this, so let's be consistent with it. Sure. What's the future for the Lions? Was this a was this a, a another building block or was this does this shut the window? Like what what does this mean for, for Detroit? I think it was a building block. Um, they do have some things they need to figure out probably on the defensive side of the ball. Probably, you know, they need to still make some, you know, some moves in the draft and in free agency to continue to improve this team. But I think the nucleus is there. I think the core of it is there. You have a lot of young guys too on this team. Jameer Gibbs, Jamison Williams, Panay Sewell. There, there's a lot of youth on that offense that you can continue to build and, and go for I, at Sam Laporta as well. Yeah. Yeah, Monroe St. Brown is a young receiver. So, I mean, there's a lot of, of youth on this team. I think they're, I don't think the window has closed. Okay. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you. They'll continue to, to help their, their roster and their personnel. There's now been a, a mentality, you know, that has been, that has now like the mentality of let's be physical and, and let's be tougher, I think is now, got proof right like you've shown that it works proof of concept now did it work in the highest level game when you had a 24 7 lead at halftime no and so you're gonna have to answer for that and you got to figure out why things went so systematically wrong in the second half some of that at san francisco is really good and they're at home and brandon iu called a ridiculous pass that went off a guy's face mask and then you turn the ball over right after that so i i mean some of that is just that's football. Yeah. But I do think, I do wonder if Dan Campbell is not going to change his personality or his, his philosophies or anything based on what anybody, you, me, or anybody else says. Correct. And but, that's something we give him credit for at times. But do you think he'll adjust in any way based off of yesterday? where he kept going forward on fourth down. He didn't want to kick field goals twice. And then he did want to kick a field goal when you could have made an argument that he should go forward on fourth down at the end of the first half. You know, sort of the the nail in the coffin kind of touchdown. Right. But I think he understood, hey, if I don't score here, they get the ball coming out at halftime. I understand that 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 one's a tougher one. But two fourth down calls... Now, they were in iffy field goal range for his kicker. Now, most NFL kickers are supposed to make those. They don't have one who can. Michael Badgley's not very good. Easy. Well, he's not. Easy. He's not. His percentage We went to the wise. same high school. Be nice to him. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> I found that out yesterday. I had no idea until the game that he also went to Fort Kenyon. Uh, do you think he erred, or do you think it was just his... I mean, the analytics people are going to say... You probably made the right call. That justifies nothing, by the way, for the analytics folks to go, you made the right decision. Sure. And as much as I like the analytics, as much as I like to like to see them on the screen as things are transpiring, I also understand the analytics can't take into account a certain situation, what the other team is doing, the momentum, the the other quarterback. You know, the, the, the stats don't care about who the other quarterback is or who right. the other playmakers are. Or how quickly that other team can score against you. They're not factoring that in. 
But I don't I don't think he's going to change. So you you think he's going to stay who he is? This will not change Dan Campbell and his decision making. Maybe a little bit situationally, but I don't think there's going to be this grand overhaul of how they do things in Detroit based on not kicking two field goals. Do I think he would become more sensitive to this if these situations show themselves again? Yes, I do. But I don't think he's going to make systematic changes to how they prepare, how they approach, and how they do things in-game. But I wonder if he'll change. It'll be interesting to see. If the situation kind of shows itself to this again, I think we all learn from experiences in our lives. I think he would maybe lean towards kicking more if it happened again, but I don't think that he's going to change a lot about how the lines are operated. Yes. I... I understand that. I, I I tend to agree with you. Um, I don't think they made both those field goals. I mean, we, we're guessing. We don't know. But odds, percentages again, we're going back to metrics and analytics. Odds say they probably missed one of those two field goals. If you do, you make one of them, you're technically, you could be tied at the end. But you don't know how the rest of the game flow is going to go. Right. And they did score a late touchdown down 10. Uh, I... I still think you have to push the game back to three possessions. That's the one that Texter's arguing. I, I tend to agree with that one when you're up 14. That's the one I would have kicked. I think you can make an argument on the others. And it just sort of depends on how much you believe in the analytics and whatnot. But it's still, that was still what from the 30 yard line. That's a, that's a long field goal. 40, I think it was like 40, between 40. Five and forty nine. His his percentages were awful, badly. So you're still rolling the dice even from the thirty there. But some of the execution didn't go well too. Reynolds had a drop on a ball that really wasn't all that well thrown. One of the I mean, golf's a good quarterback. He can throw the ball. He did not throw that one well. Didn't give his receiver full opportunity to catch it. But still, hit your hands. You're expected to catch that ball. I, I, I to me the bigger storyline for. Detroit is what to take away from all this and not necessarily look. You lost to a really good team who was favored to beat you. You know, I know you had a 17-point lead. I know you were probably got a little too comfortable in the situation. You learn from that. You won't get comfortable in the situation next time. But I understand the pain in Detroit right now because it's one of those fan bases that can sit here and tell you, you're not guaranteed a chance to go back. You're right. If the if the face mask catch and then the the following the turnover following the face mask catch led to a touchdown if those two things weird things don't happen to you there you're probably in in las vegas right now it's the way it goes delvin's up next oh hold on delvin there we go sorry hey delvin how are you, you? Know? yeah i got you yeah the two differences in both of those games was one team st- stuck with the run in the 49ers the other team panicked and abandoned the run and kept throwing the ball all the time yeah no between the 49ers and the Ravens. You know, I agree with you. The, they're both the built on the run. Out. They're both built on the yeah. run. They have to have it, and one just said nah, and the other said nope, we'll keep running it. Yeah, though the 49 you know they were down by 17, they could run the ball. You know what you do? You got to run back like Chris McCaffrey. And everybody talk, I know everybody going to talk about Patrick Mahone in the Super Bowl, but we got to give Brock credit credit. Brad, this guy went from Mr. Irrelevant to the NFC Championship game. And my people, not, if he would not got hurt, I thought they would have been in the Super Bowl last year. Now he in the Super Bowl this year. I don't know what's going to be. I don't know how this kid, man, I don't know what nobody else has seen a kid that the 49ers saw. That's all I want to know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Thanks for the call, Devin. I appreciate hey, yeah, you. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. 
I, I don't know what they saw and the others didn't, but I mean, some of this has to be luck. You don't draft the last guy in the draft and expect him to lead you to the Super Bowl. And John, I this is completely derailing things, and and you know, I, I hate doing this. I'm still going to do it anyway. I still think if he doesn't get hurt, they they they're in the Super Bowl last year. You're probably right. Um, hindsight, John. Hindsight. We can't sure. Hindsight. I mean, I just think it's pretty incredible that this guy's taking this team to a Super Bowl and he couldn't even win the Cheez It Bowl. <laughs> Didn't beat Clemson. No. And yet here he is going to the Super Bowl. Uh, 17 and 4 as a starter. 17 and 4. I, 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 these are things I cannot explain in football. Some things just occur in a vacuum that I just don't understand. And this is one of them. I don't think Brock Purdy's the most talented guy in the league. I think he's a great beneficiary of the Shanahan system and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, gosh, those three weapons alone can make any quarterback look good. Let alone Brandon Brandon Ayuk. Those four guys can make anybody look good to a certain degree. But I also recognize he made plays that won the game yesterday. It wasn't like this was the, 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 the knock on him was that if it came down to it, people didn't think he could go win the game. He made plays yesterday, John, that that's what Super Bowl winners look like. So I don't know where I fall on Brock Purdy right now. Gaining more respect. Yes, confused. I think that's where we land on Brock Purdy right now. We're confused. I don't think he has the best arm. I don't think he always makes the best decisions. You don't think he's the best at anything. In the league. Like, I don't think there's one thing that Brock Purdy does that's better than any quarterback in the NFL. But he made plays yesterday when he had to have them. That's two weeks in a row he has made plays when he had to have them in the fourth quarter. He is answering these narrative questions about him for sure. I, I just don't I had no idea that running game was in, that he had that. No, no. I, I, I didn't think that was going to be something we saw. At what? How many rushing yards did he finish with yesterday? Do you uh, know? 48. On five carries. Uh, he had 48 on five. He had 57 yards rushing this year against Cincinnati. That I'm, I'm assuming that that's probably, if not a career high, very close to a career high. I mean, nothing's even come close to that. 19, 14, 14. Everything else is in single digits or negatives. Like, he's just not, he's not that guy. He's not shown that. And he did in that moment when his team had to have it. I give him a ton of credit for that. I'm not I'm not trying to discount him. Just confused on why he's able to do this when I just don't know. I what I'm trying to decipher is what I'm seeing. Is he really this good or is he just a product? Or is it is it very has it become very muddled? Like it's very very gray now. It's very in the middle because to me, I think you have to give I give him credit on his physical ability that I didn't think he had. He is playing better than I thought that he was capable of. But at the same time, also acknowledging one like the elite pieces you mentioned, plus the system. I think it's a perfect storm for Brock Purdy. It's the perfect situation and fit. We talk about all the time in the draft, and we will be getting into our draft coverage here in the next couple weeks, start preparing for that. But really what it all comes down to is where you land. It's the fit. Texter gets in and says, people forget Purdy was a top 6-10 quarterback going to senior year at Iowa State. He was a pretty big deal. See, I would push back on that in that he was a bigger deal early in his career, 
And it felt like he plateaued. Yes. And he was sort of the same guy. And you didn't see like this huge like trajectory jump that would put him as an elite quarterback in the country. Was it the 2020 season or the 21 season? They're kind of drawn together there. But they, when they came, I think it was the 20 season. When they came in like preseason top 10. Like we expected them to take another step forward. Another climb with Brock Purdy at that Iowa State team. And they just never did. The year they were so loaded. Because they it, it was 21. The year that Clemson played them. Because they were coming off that top 10 season. In 2020, the year before, yeah. And the hype train was was sort of rolling. They went 7-6. and six. I mean, really, this, this is... What, what years were brought, was Brock Purdy there? I think 18, 19, 20, and 21. So they would have gone 8-5, and 7-6, and 9-3, and 7-6. and six. Which at Iowa State's really good. But that's historically. That I mean, John, we you, you scoff at those records every every time we talk about Miami or A and M or whoever. Those are scoff records for you for those programs, but I not know, for Iowa State. But we scoff at those kind of records. He didn't, he didn't do anything to transform the program. Mm. A little bit, I guess, relative to where Iowa State was before he got there. But it's all it's all relative to Iowa State specifically. <laughs> Because, I mean, I how many times in history can you can name a starting quarterback there for the Cyclones for four straight years where you have four postseason trips? But did you see anything there that would lead you to believe he'd be in the Super Bowl right now? For the no, I didn't think he was going to get drafted, and I was one pick away from being right. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, here he is. Uh, real, real quick, before we go to break on the the Ravens, where do they go from here? How do you piece That's a much harder look in the mirror, in my opinion. I think they're going to lose their defensive coordinator. I, I think Mike McDonald is probably going to get the Seattle job, would be my guess right now, because I think Ben Johnson to the to Washington's been pretty locked up for a while. I would guess that McDonald goes to Seattle. So they're gonna lose that, which he's he's really good at what he was good yesterday. He's good every day. He's really good at this. I just wonder now if, you know, there's gonna be some there will be some upset hurt egos in that in that locker room, and you're they're going to have to they're going to have to have some come to Jesus meetings. A hundred percent, and you're starting to figure out as the Lamar contract really starts to kick in because you just paid him now. Yeah, you're going to start feeling that at some point. They usually, I think there are way more questions in Baltimore this offseason than there are in Detroit. But they have got to find a way to upgrade his offensive weapons. It can't just be Zay Flowers. To throw to. It can't and, be. And, and, and Odell Beckham for $16 million on the season. Like, you can't run that back. Andrews wasn't healthy yesterday. It was clearly obvious. He was not. He was more of a decoy than he was an actual participant. They, I think they felt they got likely involved more than they did Andrews. But where they go from here, I think they can get back here. The problem that they're trying to avoid is trying. To, they don't want to become regular season paper champions every year. They're, they're just trying to avoid that. The regular season champs. They don't do anything. They don't do squat in the playoffs. That's a narrative that has now enveloped them, and they've got to get rid of it. Also, when you look at, I think the path is easier for Detroit to make it back here than it is Baltimore. I want you to walk that on the other side. Six five four four. final segment for this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Greg Ellie of the Prosperity Group. I'd like to invite you to tune into our radio show, The Prosperity Hour, on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m., You'll learn about Social Security, how to maximize it, how to make an asset out of it, how to protect your retirement income and create a pension-like income that you can't outlive for both you and your spouse. I'll show you tax-free strategies that protect you against nursing homes and illnesses, 
just give me a call at 864-989-0176 or go to mymoneyissafe.com. For over 36 years, Little John Portable Toilets has proudly served the upstate. From construction to special events, Little John Portable Toilets has you covered with worry-free toilet service, delivered, cleaned, and sanitized, serving the upstate and further when possible. Portable toilets, handicap, hand wash stations, holding tanks, executive restroom trailers. And if you have a question, we have a live person to talk with. Little John, family owned and operated. 800-499-5667 and at littlejohntoilets.com. An ultimate day of relaxation and rejuvenation from Lilia Day Spa in Anderson is the perfect gift for her on Valentine's Day. Year after year, they've been voted Anderson's premier spa, and their staff is ready to treat her mind, body, and spirit in a relaxing and private setting. Choose a sweet treat package or a Be Mine package, a sweetheart or a Cupid's holiday package. Lilia Day Spa can create something special, or a gift certificate is ideal for Valentine's. Anderson's premier day spa, Lilia Day Spa, 116 Benson Street, downtown Anderson. There is a problem with mattresses. The bad ones leave you sleeping in a hole way too quickly, and no one makes flippable mattresses anymore. Engineered Sleep Designs and manufacturers mattresses that solve common issues and sleep comfortably. Whether you prefer firm or soft, they have you covered. Go check out their industry-leading dual mattress and their flippable classic hybrids at 333 North Pleasantburg Drive, Greenville, or visit engineeredsleep.com to learn more. When you're looking for the beautiful gift she deserves, do what I do. Shop at Turner's Jewelers. They have an amazing selection of silver, gold, precious gems, and diamonds. And Turner's can create a custom piece she'll absolutely treasure. Whatever the occasion, trust a tradition of family excellence for more than 60 years. Shop now at turnersjewelers.com or visit them today in the Applewood Shopping Center next to Belk and Seneca. Southern Hospitality meets diamond know-how at Turner's Jewelers. I'm starting the new year by making sure my home feels new and advanced cleaning with zero res. Take advantage of their new year sale. Get three rooms of carpet clean for only $119. And when you mention me, Mickey, and the Roar, you'll get a hallway clean for free. Schedule online at zeroresgreenville.com. Sitting here today with our good friend Gary Mahaffey of Insurance for Seniors and Disabled. Gary, texter asks, Walt, I screwed up waiting on my insurance company to sign a new contract with my hospital doctors and they failed. Can Gary help me? Texter, you are far from being the only person who did this. I have a high probability of being able to help you, but time is of the essence. I need you to contact me right away at 864-307-8484 to resolve this dilemma. There you go, listener. You need to move on this and call Gary today at 864-307-8484 again. 864-307-8484. And remember, the Gary represents the seven largest Medicare insurance companies in approximately 125 different plans. In the unlikely event that you would want another company's plan, Gary will still shepherd you through SHIP or Medicare to accomplish that goal. No one wants it to happen to them, but unfortunately, chances are good that at some point it'll happen to you. Roof troubles. It's one of the most important parts of your biggest investment. So when you need repairs or a new installation, you need someone who you can trust to get the job done right. You need Joe Robertson and Son Roofing. As a family owned and operated roofing company for nearly six decades, Joe Robertson and Son have built a reputation for quality craftsmanship. It's why thousands of upstate home and business owners have chosen them for their roofing needs. Beyond providing quality work they're proud to stand by, 
Joe Robertson & Son Roofing also takes a client-first approach to their job. That means quality roofing, fair pricing, and complete customer satisfaction. Put it all together, and it's easy to see why they're the Upstate's premier roofing provider. You can't cut corners when it comes to roof repairs and installations, so go with the trusted name in the Upstate. Go with Joe Robertson & Son Roofing. Get started today by visiting them online at robertsonroofing.net. Meet Cheryl. Hey. She's on vacation and lost in the moment. Unfortunately, so is her Chase debit card. It's got to be somewhere. Maybe she lost it at Salsa Night. These skirts should have pockets. Or maybe she lost it at Pilates. Three and two and But she's not worried. With the Chase mobile app, she can lock her card till it turns up. Tools that help protect. One bank that puts you in control. Visit chase.com slash checking. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Every shot, every block, every game. We're your home for Clemson basketball. 105.5 and 97.5. We are the Roar, where every day is game day. The final segment here on the Press Box. Appreciate you listening to The Roar today. Stay tuned. Out of Bounds coming up here at noon. What are you uh, smirking at over there? I, I'm just, I'm really excited to see uh, or to hear William Quackenbush's takes today. Uh, we have, you know, reinforced the studio here. If he needs to stand or jumping down on any tables, we've got everything structurally reinforced. Ready for for a good out of bounds today. All right, get your cameras ready too if you get a chance there, John. Six five four roar. Still time before you get in with us. We discussed a lot of Clemson basketball. In fact, that was pretty much the entire first half of the show, and then some. Uh, if you missed any of that, go back to theroarfm dot com. Uh, I want you to respond to, to what I want you. I want you to respond to what you said. <laughs> okay. There at the break, that you think the Lions are set up better to get back to the the conference title game than the Ravens. I, I think as the teams are constructed, the Ravens have a better roster and a team than the Detroit Lions do. But I look at the AFC and I look at the NFC and I look at paths to the postseason, paths to get back to a conference championship game. You have Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. You have Joe Burrow when he is healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could list all the quarterbacks on that side. And, Brad, it's a pretty lengthy list. But I would say most of the teams in the AFC have a pretty good idea and a plan as to where their quarterback position lies. The NFC is pretty wide open, especially now with Philadelphia, I think, is about to unravel and fall apart a little bit here over the next couple seasons. I don't see anybody in the North really pushing and challenging Detroit. I think Green Bay is closer than the other two, but I think Chicago and Minnesota have a long way to go. Yeah. I don't really have a lot of faith and trust in the Cowboys to make a deep run in the postseason. So I think based on just kind of the, the where these two conferences lie, I think it's much easier for the Lions to make a path back to a conference championship game than it is for the Ravens, although I do think the Ravens are the better team. The 49ers aren't going anywhere. No, they are not. But I don't think there's as many teams of that ilk on the NFC side than there are on the AFC. Okay. When got, when you know some of these teams are more healthy and fully funded throughout the course of a season. 
to your point, the NFC South is a disaster. The whole thing's a mess. Um, we'll see what the Seahawks do with their their hiring. But no one's going to really challenge the Niners in the West consistently enough. Yeah, Green Bay's probably going to continue to improve and get But Green Bay be the one team, I think, especially if they can, can upgrade their defense. Yeah. Green Bay's a team, I think, can can make a pretty big jump from one year to the next and be a player in this for the next two or three years. So there, there's going to be some challenges for the Lions, but I just I don't know. I think I think Baltimore's built, unfortunately for them right now, they're really built for the regular season, and they're going to continue to win probably their division or at least be one or two, and I think they'll continue to be competing for home field advantage in the playoffs. Uh, now, we'll see if Mike McDonald, if he does take another job, how much that affects them and what Harbaugh does to answer for that. Especially because he can't go back to Michigan. And just go pluck people. That's because right. Jim Harbaugh <laughs> took Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, with him to the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, that, that's sort of, sort of been the game. They, they trade coaches back and forth depending on who needs what. Ain't going to happen anymore now. They're both in the league. Yeah. No, no, no. They're not going to continue that, by, that swap. By the way, I know we have 10 minutes left of the show, so I feel like we may want to mention it. Uh, Michigan promoted Sharon Moore over the weekend to be their new head football yeah, coach. I feel like we should, I know, but I feel like we should at least mention that Michigan has a new head football coach. Yeah. The carousel is come to a halt completely thankfully in in college yes unless the some for some weird reason the commanders or the seahawks hire a college standing coach which i don't think is going to happen washington commander head coach lincoln riley oh gosh no um no (laughs) you don't want to throw southern cal into a coaching search at the beginning of february they would have to almost guarantee that they get Caleb Williams then. So how do they move up to get him? I don't know. This this is a ridiculous conversation. Uh, in, in all seriousness, though, I think that college has stopped. So I'm happy for that. Texture asks, what's your thoughts on Zach Robinson becoming the offensive coordinator for Raheem Morris and the Atlanta Falcons? What a day for Zach Robinson. Gave, uh, he and his wife gave birth to their second child, and then I think a couple hours afterwards, he accepted the position with the Atlanta Falcons. Not a bad day. Uh, I think that... It's a good move. Y- yeah, I mean, could you do a lot worse? Now, again, you're getting... Let's be clear here. You're getting Zach Robinson. You're not getting Sean McVay. Just because he worked with Sean McVay does not mean he is Sean McVay. But what if both coaches worked for Sean McVay? You're still not getting Sean McVay, okay? <laughs> You're getting Raheem Morris and Zach Robinson. Now, can they – Is this I, to me, it's a good sign of what kind of offense you're going to build around, and you're a defensive guy, and I think you're going to let Zach Robinson go coach the offense, and you're going to manage your defense and prepare your team and learn how to, you know, not not learn, but relearn maybe some things in terms of being a head coach, but – no, I don't. I don't think it's a bad hire by any stretch. I, I just don't want to put too much stock in it because he's worked under Sean McVay. But I do think it is a good thing. We're going to be the only outlet out there that's not going to give you a bunch of credit for just working with Sean McVay. Because everybody else just seems to want to just gets, laud praise over people because you've worked with him. Gets on our nerves. I do think it was a a good move, a good job by Raheem Morris there, and I I like the vision he's trying to put in place in Atlanta. I tend to agree. Uh, six five four roar. Still time for you to get in here in the last few minutes of the show, John. How about we hit on some 
positives from the weekend. Please. Some people who enjoyed and had really good weekends. Like Clemson Gymnastics. Knocked off North Carolina to get their first road win. This is their third consecutive win, by the way, uh, for the Clemson Gymnastics team in their inaugural season. Uh, they knocked off North Carolina to move to 3-0 and and 2-0 in the ACC. And, yeah, I'd say that's, uh, that's a big deal. I, can I say something else positive from over the course of the weekend? Please. Last night in Little John Coliseum, Clemson 73, Wake Forest 59. Rolled them. Rolled the Deeks. Yeah. Much needed at Military Appreciation Day over there last night for the Tigers and a good win by Amanda Butler and company. I agree wholeheartedly with you on that. I do think it's a very good win and uh, sort of good. You, know, you kind of need some. You need that kind of game. Absolutely. Get, get the feels going uh, over there. So that was good. Uh, what about. I had some other positives here. Let me make sure we. Uh, we're, we're staying on positives, right? We're not going yes, back yes, to. Yes, we're, we're staying on positives. Um, we're not going negative unless we want to hit our metrics today. That's about it. <laughs> Clemson recruiting obviously taking off. We talked a lot about that in the first hour of the show. The two offensive line recruits that they landed over the weekend commitments. And then earlier today, in case you missed it, Isaiah Campbell, a four-star defensive lineman, has committed to play for Nick Eason and the Tigers. Top 100 player in all services. I've seen him as high as number 67 overall in the country. Big-time get for Nick Eason. Yeah. I, uh, all three of these guys are very good for, for Clemson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just I don't think we could say enough about what this whole staff is doing right now in recruiting and the... And it's not even about the commitments you got out of this weekend. Those are huge and, and monumental. But also to hear some of the quotes from David Sanders, to hear some of the quotes from Mason Short, these guys who didn't feel like Clemson had much of a chance with this time last week, now all of a sudden you're real players in their recruitments. Yeah. I, I Clemson football recruiting right now is just on an absolute heater. Speaking of Clemson, Baseball America has the Tigers ranked number nine in their preseason poll. Number nine. A lot of people getting really high on the Tigers right now in Eric Backage in year two. We need to start talking about that soon. They opened up practice on Friday, despite the weather, uh, and they're going to be getting things rolling here in a couple weeks in the regular season. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start to turn our attention very, 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 very soon. Opening day is right around the corner. To Clemson baseball, yeah. Looking forward to, to that, but a lot of... A lot of people get high. Does that does that give you some uneasiness and make you a little uncomfortable, or do you embrace the expectation? Uh, I don't choose to embrace them. I, I think that's the wise thing to do in this situation. It's going to be a really fun team. It should be. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to get to learn this team, to learn this roster, to figure out the pitching staff and you know the roles and who's going to – that's something I do enjoy about the first month of the baseball season, especially in college – is we want it to we want the lineup and we want the pitching staff to be finalized for the entire season but I do like the learning and I like going through those first couple games those first few outings and seeing what you have in some guys and then what you don't I I know I you're you're 100% right everything you said I'm just I'm sort of kind of laughing to myself because we we know what happens when you put expectations on something and if it if it falls short we know how the show's going to go okay I'm just saying right now already Already bracing myself. Some some people do not want their programs to have expectations, which I think is wild. And some people, that's all they care about is setting, whether you meet it or not, it's all about talking about the expectation. 
Clemson baseball expectations should be high this year. You should hold them to a high standard, and they should play well. They should have a good season. And we'll we'll get in more more in depth on that as we go through the the process. It's right around the corner, Brett. I had somebody approach me yesterday at church saying, Hey man, I'm really excited that we're just a couple weeks away from here and Don and Quat called baseball games. Yep. Yep. It's it's almost here. I haven't really been able to get my mind around college baseball starting yet, but getting there. Now that this game this this weekend ended the uh, conference championship games and all that's left the Super Bowl. Yeah, football becomes We can we can secondary. remove one sport and add in another. There you go. That'll be the plan. John, speaking of the Super Bowl, how excited are you? It was a great weekend for you. You get to play Taylor Swift songs all week on the show. Not just this week, Brad. And next and week. And next week. Two straight weeks. And if the and if the Chiefs win that thing, oh man, it may be Taylor Swift for all twenty twenty four. Swifty John over here. Swifty John. Or John Swifty. Which one do you want to go with? I, Swifty neither, John? Neither. I prefer John Scofford. <laughs> you are not scoffing at the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl, though. No, I'm not. I, I do find it interesting, though, how the Kansas City Chiefs have now, due to some outside influence, have now fully embraced what happens to teams in a dynastic run. We loved them so many years ago when they were going up against Tom Brady and we wanted to see him take down Brady and Belichick and all these things. And now the whole country just wants to see them lose. I just think it's funny how they have finally completed their journey. <laughs> Do you know who you're going to pull for in that game yet? Because I, to be honest with you, I'm not, enam- I'm not enamored with the, the teams, but I am enamored with the matchup. I haven't gotten that far yet in terms of like from like a fan interest standpoint. When I sit down to watch the game, like who am I going to be rooting for? Because in the Super Bowl, you got to have a team to root for. I'm have, not, you, have you seen the betting line? I have not, no. Do you want to guess? San Francisco minus three. Okay, it opened at two and a half. And it's at already, San Francisco minus? Yes. Okay. It, ever, it opened 49ers two and a half. It's moved down to one. Yeah, because you're ridiculous if you're making Patrick Mahomes the underdog. Yeah. Two, we said that last week. So many people. Yeah, like I said, you don't make a living on betting against the Chiefs. No. No one's no one said that's, that's what how I do your kids don't living. go to college. <laughs> now, no one ever said, yeah, I made a living on going against Andy Reid. I made a living on going against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. That's not be much of a living. No, it, it doesn't. Statistically speaking, you would, there's no way you would come out on the right side of that. So... I understand the line movement. We'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow and start setting. I, I do game. want to get into what, like Super Bowl line movement. I think is just very fascinating to me because you have two weeks of it versus just one like you do in a normal NFL week. That initial move says a lot, and it'll be curious. I'm curious to see kind of where it goes. And we'll you know, have to wait on some injury report type stuff too, but not a ton of that. We'll break it all down tomorrow. Thanks everybody for joining us today. Coming up next, out of bounds with Qualk and Ben. Hope you have a wonderful, happy. And safe Monday. Talk to you again on Tuesday. Take care. WCCP FM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville Anderson, WAHT.